Hi again, back today, talking about can we ever feel truly happy for someone else's inner spiritual freedom? Might sound like a complicated topic, probably not all that clickable, likable, or shareable, but I don't really do stuff that's like that anyway. Not if I'm being truly authentic to myself. Anywho, there's a few things that I've been thinking about that brought this up. One is how anxious everyone is feeling, more and more. And I've seen a few like news articles or blogs about why people should be anxious and also counter to that why people shouldn't be, all the ways that the world has improved, all the ways that the world is falling into upheaval. And while we can definitely, especially here in the U.S., be hyper-anxious about certain issues like money, inflation, politics, violence, for sure, and other people around the world as well, I don't see a lot of people stepping up and saying, yeah, all that stuff makes us anxious for sure, but we're animals. We're human animals, we're primates, or we, you know, we grew from the earth. We evolved with the rest of the planet. We're not separate. And so when your home is in dire jeopardy, which it is right now, ecologically speaking, <laughs> every animal senses when their, their home is in danger. And it, even if you're not mentally aware of it, your body knows. So I'm just kind of like looking at people knowing that they're sensing this, but they're not necessarily always coming out and talking about it. They'd rather focus on the stuff that has to do with their bank accounts and how they vote, which of course is valid completely, uh, but we're not really looking at the root. And also in my own life, I've been thinking a lot and also dreaming a lot, having a lot of dreams around stuff like bullying, oppression, blocking, blockages, stuff blocking my calling, my path. And I'm also going to, I'm preparing to steam today with some medicine specifically for that issue, helping to clear, loosen up and clear out a little bit the this lifelong blockage around bullying and oppression and naysayers and blockers, blockages, oppression, all of that stuff. And all that has just sort of been stewing. And I'm also thinking about a teacher named Jason Gregory. He's an Australian guy. I think he's Australian. But he focuses on non-duality traditions, really with an emphasis on Taoism. And he was talking a few months ago about what happens when someone really embarks on an authentic spiritual path and they begin to really start letting go of their stuff their patterns, their cycles, the things that have kept them stuck and afraid 
and looping around on this wheel of ups and downs and downs and ups. People don't like it when they see someone becoming or just being, remembering freedom, their inner spiritual freedom. That's not to suggest that there isn't external blockages that are very real, external oppressions and oppressors, very real. And that's a completely different topic, but I don't want to ignore that nuance. However, I'm just talking about the inner world, spiritual freedom, and I can relate to this so well because I see myself as both a spiritual seeker who is becoming and being free, at least in some ways, and also as the person who would get triggered when I would see someone else becoming free. So it's both and, and, and it's so true. It's so true. Can we ever feel truly happy or supportive? Maybe not necessarily an emotion like happiness, but just supportive for someone's spiritual freedom. I've had so many experiences with this, not just with myself feeling triggered and threatened when someone else is finding their path of alignment, because this is what this is really about. Freedom from patterns and cycles is just a natural side effect. It just happens. Of course, there's work involved with it. There's an intentional focus at times, but so much of it is just this natural side effect to alignment, to just being in alignment with life. I'm not, I'm not talking about manifestation. I'm not talking about all that woo shenanigans. I'm just talking about alignment with life. It just happens. The, the, the stuff just kind of sheds on its own. A lot of it anyway. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And I see so much of myself in that. Coming up against people who want to remind me or draw me back in or pull me back into a cycle that I'm set free from. Or at least I want to be free from and I've decided I'm going to be free from it. And people just can't handle when someone starts to leave the muck. It doesn't have to be a general thing. It can be a specific issue. Like when someone gets free of the muck of relationships, romantic relationships, free of the muck of alcoholism or addiction, whatever that particular puddle is that they've stayed stuck in their whole life or lifetimes, the puddle that their lineage has been stuck in, their millions and millions of relatives that they carry in their blood and their bones have been stuck in for millennia upon millennia. Then they finally start to just be free. People freak out. I don't care how nice someone is. I don't care how evolved or spiritually grown or how much of a healer, a powerful gifted healer they might be. They may have beautiful gifts, powerful gifts. They might be doing amazing work, helping others or rather helping people to help themselves. They might be super successful and have all the reason in the world to be fulfilled, to have soul satiety where they don't rely anymore on what's happening or not happening in their life. They're just full. We are such complex beings in certain ways 
that we can have all of that going on and at the same time be assholes and bullies and oppressors when we see someone powerfully becoming free. Remembering that they are already free. Even past that, remembering that they are freedom. We freak out, we don't like it. I see it in myself. And if I'm seeing it in myself, y'all better believe you've got that going on too. So here we are, again, in this path, on this planet of upheaval and collapse where you can have every intention in the world to do good. To be the change that you wish to see. And so easily fall into being that which you want to end in the world. For example, certain activism. I saw this a lot on social media. People with incredibly valid causes. I was in such agreement with the things that they're talking about and bringing awareness to. And so easily, because this world is grinding them down in real ways, they're not victim, I'm not talking about victim pathology. In real ways, the burnout is real, yet they become bullies. They're out there saying no more bullying, no more oppression, and they're becoming bullies. So back on track here a little bit. When I am saying or asking, can we really be truly supportive for someone who is being freedom? I'm not talking about jealousy when someone is slaying at life, winning and glowing up. Although, of course, that's a thing. Middle school mean girl shenanigans are everywhere, especially in the spiritual space. Holy balls, we didn't leave seventh or eighth grade in so many ways. We didn't leave. We're still riding the bus with our little satchel of snacks, pimples on our face, frozen in fear, projecting all that stuff, real stuff, real wounds, onto the other kids. I'm not talking about that though. I'm talking about when someone finds freedom from that. <laughs> when someone finds freedom from middle school shenanigans. Like, or, or even just when they find freedom from slaying life, whether or not they're slaying at life. I don't know what's, or care what's going on in their physical life. I'm talking about the inner spiritual world. When someone is free from needing or wanting or striving for slaying and winning, like they no longer depend on it. They have found and remembered and are now embodying their inner state of fulfillment. And they don't need to show they're winning anymore on social media or elsewhere. They're no longer attached to ups and downs, getting and losing, losing and getting. They're moving away from the Western grind paradigm. They are embodying and being peace and freedom. And so while I can freely admit that I have been there so many times, that person who is triggered and not even aware why my body is so 
threatened at someone's peace and freedom. But I see it for myself and I've been seeing it for myself for a very long time. People try to drag me back into pathologies that I no longer struggle with. I no longer struggle with my body image. I did a lot of hard work to reach that point. I no longer struggle with food restriction. I no longer struggle with relationship drama. There are so many things that I no longer struggle with, but people try to drag me back. Even well-meaning people, well-intentioned, true healers. They wanna pull me back into caring about something. And this is such an important distinction that I'll be making in another segment. Non-attachment versus detachment. Subtly different, but powerfully different. When I talk about not caring anymore, I'm not talking about meh or blase or even I don't care about that anymore. It is a nervous system slash spirit level that goes so much deeper than anything my mind or emotions can conjure up or not conjure up. It is true non-attachment. It no longer holds power. It's not important whether it's there, whether it's not there. It doesn't impact me anymore. People want to pull me back into being impacted and I can feel it's a projection, but also it's kind of sad and funny and sad and sad and funny that it's so obvious that my freedom from an issue has triggered their own stuff around it. I know the idea of letting go of something that I've suffered about and been so invested in energetically, monetarily, through time, through all my resources. The actually letting go without a solution for it or getting it in my experience. It felt like dying, agonizing death, not a peaceful death. Truly letting go of something that never resolved, that I never had a solution for, it never became a happy ending to a story, was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I never imagined for a moment in my life that letting go and surrender would be the theme of my spiritual path. I didn't think I would ever have a spiritual path that would be like who I was, not just a career or a job, ain't about that. Not about the work you do and the money you get for it. But letting go and losing control over that stuff, it felt like the deepest loss and most powerful failure and shame. And that is also a whole other topic letting go and our conditioning around surrender and the conditioning that immediately comes up with that around success and loss and winning and failure and getting and losing. That's a really powerful thing. Whenever someone brings up letting go and surrender, man, the triggers that come up in myself, man, I shout out to, to the first Sangoma who helped me after I found out I had a calling, an ancestral calling to heal. 
I know she learned so much about patience, which is priceless. It's a priceless thing to be a healer and abide in the kind of patience that is timelessness and trust. But it is a rough path, and I know that my resistance was potent. I wasn't going to fucking let go because that meant death, real death. In fact, I didn't want to let go so much of my patterns, my cycles, my stuckness, that I would have walked around with a, a gun to my head, a loaded gun, challenging my ancestors every minute of the day saying, give me a reason. Give me one little reason to pull this trigger. I've already attempted suicide. Actually, it was euthanasia, self-euthanasia. I've already done it. I have no fear about it. Give me another little tiny reason and I'm out. So walking around threatening my elevated ancestors this way for years. This is how hard letting go and surrender can be. And I don't wanna pretend or say, well, if I can do it, you can do it. Or, you know, it won't be as hard for someone else as it was for me because I had all this unique stuff going on. Maybe that's true. I can't decide that for someone. But what I can say is when someone actually starts on a path of freedom, we oppress our first response is to haul them back in because misery loves company. We don't want to see someone become free in whatever little way or big way. I guess maybe one of the biggest examples I can bring up is around romantic relationships. The work that I have had to do to be freedom, not just be free, become free, act free, live free, be freedom. The work that I've had to do around that horse pucky of a cesspool in my spirit and in my body, in my bones, in my guts, in my womb. Don't even get me started on womb cleansing and clearing as one of these central parts in a process of becoming an, a traditional healer. Womb cleansing is a thing and it is a powerful thing and it can get really rough. The work you gotta do. But I have done it and I continue to do it because that cesspool, that addiction of codependency and blame and victim shenanigans and abuse and emotionally unavailable dudes and codependency but also counterdependency just there are hundreds if not thousands of good channels on YouTube that you can watch to learn about this stuff this attachment trauma anxious attachment insecure attachment the work I've had to do to be freedom throughout my entire being not just mentally emotionally but in every particle eternal and physical. I was so afraid for so long that there wouldn't be a solution or happy ending or getting it. 
And man, the clinging, the wanting, that's the key. When do we stop needing to pathologize someone and make them more sick than they really are? Especially as spiritual people, as self-helpers, as healers, as people interested in healing, especially in these times of Teotuaki, the end of the world as we know it. I don't know how many times I've done this and I don't know how many times it's been done to me where someone insisted they knew me or saw me better than I knew or saw myself and knew I still had to air quotes heal a thing or air quotes fix a thing blah 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 and maybe that was true in fact I know that's true that's a part of it but it is a sliver a slice I cannot tell you how damaging that is as some sort of healing tactic or coaching tactic or modality that is featured on our menu of tools and tricks that we use against ourselves and others. It doesn't work because it is not supporting of life. It doesn't support true holism, not just someone's glowing up or winning in their body, mind, and spirit. No. I'm not talking about that as holism. Someone's actual well-being is not served by this saccharine, sickening, sticky oppression that is bullying it doesn't look like it. It can be passed off as something else so easily, but it's bullying. Like I said before, maybe we do want someone else to be joyful and free. Maybe we're looking at someone and, and we're saying, yeah, I really want you to have that. You know, you're being free of the romantic relationships as an example, but I know you could have that. I know if you just did this, this, and this, it could happen. Or, or oh, well, I've heard this, I don't know how many times, dozens. Well, now that you're actually free from it, that's when it shows up. Trying to drag me back. No. That's so passive aggressive. being free as freedom itself from the wheels and cycles of bondage has nothing to do with whether or not that thing actually shows up in my life or your life or their life. Whether it shows up for them, whether it never does, doesn't matter when it comes to true well-being. You support life. Life moves. And it doesn't just grow. There's no such thing as limitless growth. What is that nonsense? It contracts, it sheds, it regrows, it dies again. That's all we've got to do is support someone's path of life and 
it doesn't work to package a tactic or a healing protocol based on what well, we really just want to see you be joyful and enjoying life and fulfill. All that doesn't matter whether it's there or not, whether it eventually comes into my life or not. What matters is my root that I am now embodying and being, which is fulfilled and whole and complete, no matter what. You try to drag someone back onto a wheel of result or no result, of gain and loss, without actually supporting their root, their root of wholeness, fulfillment, peace and freedom. It's just more care policing and concern trolling dressed up as healing. It sucks how many of us are so filled up to the brim with beliefs and identities around how spirituality or healing quote works, that we are unable to truly surrender all of that and see the simple universal, most basic spiritual truth, which is just life truth that lies at the root of any authentic spiritual path or tradition, any path or tradition, you are already free, regardless of what's going on in your life. And like I've said, nuance is important. It's very true and very real. The blocks and oppressors and oppression in real life, physical life. But eternally, spiritually speaking, you are freedom. You are already freedom. This is the stuff that when we come under the guise of spiritual beliefs, of healing beliefs and the identities as a result, that we become theocratic or autocratic bullies, enforcing our beliefs on each other, our rules. I'm especially, of course, looking at the theocratic wannabes who have devoted their lives to the issue of overthrowing Roe and abortion. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. It's, you know, it's an important topic, of course, but doing that on my own, I think that's something that is better in conversation where people's minds working together is, is, is way more powerful than just another person's opinion. I don't need any more opinions. But anyways, none of that. It, it, the foundational fact, you are free. You are freedom itself. Don't try to drag someone back into a mess because you feel that spirit wants them to know they need to do more healing and aren't actually free. Even if they're still releasing stuff around any issue, don't project a heavy load like that onto someone who has made it clear to themselves that they are seeking freedom and it's a process. But if they really are, eventually they will arrive home to this truth. Everyone does. They're already free from that issue, from any issue, from all issues. They're already free. They don't have to keep going back to laboriously struggle to heal something just because other spiritual people or healers told them they have to. 
they have their North Star within them. We must support the flourishing of their North Star that will guide them. Their ancestors will guide them. And we have to trust that. And instead, be an example of what being ancestrally led and guided in ways that are aligned can look like. What can that look like? Be an example. This is the standard that I know my own elevated ancestors are going to hold me to, especially once I start doing healing work with people, and I will. In whatever capacity, stay out of the way. Keep your ego identities, of which there are many. We're 99% ego, by the way. <laughs> Keep it all out of the way. And I will know when it's my stuff taking the reins and seizing control and overriding and projecting when I try to nab someone into seeing their situation as a pathology that they must continuously tend to. That doesn't suggest that ancestors won't acknowledge an issue that someone struggles with or has repressed from their awareness, blah, 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 all the things. Of course, that's a thing. But the whole point is creative, meaning instead of focusing on what you don't want or fixing what you don't want, embrace being guided in alignment in a way that releases and lets go while remembering you are already free. Embodying and experiencing life is freedom. All my decades and decades of therapy and medication and electroshock therapy and trauma-informed therapy and other healers, spiritual healers, self-help, coaching, did 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 while absolutely helpful for what I needed at the time, also showed me this. When it's time to let go, it's time. And letting go is lifelong. It is never linear. It is never one and done. Support people in letting go. Whatever needs to be done to let go and keep letting go, support it. Tending over and over again, and this is a little bit of a cheesy metaphor, and then I'm going to stop. Maybe it's an analogy. I can't keep from mixing up metaphors and analogies. I am not sexy. <laughs> but tending over and over again to the weeds you don't want in your garden. By the way, there's no such things as weeds. I'm just making a cheesy point here. Tending over and over again to the weeds you don't want in your garden neglects the wonderful space that's been cleared out for new life to grow. Gorgeous flowers. You want to tend to and grow your gorgeous flowers, but you're focusing on the weeds and you're neglecting the fact that you have all this space to make beauty. Gorgeous calla lilies. All right, one more point here. And this is why it can be such hard work when committing to working with your or mine <laughs> elevated ancestors. It is hard work. It's hard because they will ask you to create. We are conditioned to destroy. We're conditioned from birth, many of us, not all of us, but we're conditioned from birth to destroy and to focus on destruction and to focus on repairing destruction. Shifting that within is hard work because elevated ancestors ask for you to collaborate in creation. They will ask you to create. They will ask you to stretch your resilience, your ability, your gifts, talents of which you have many. And they will ask you to create and then allow, allow it to grow. Don't stand over the flower making it look a certain way or grow a certain way. You create and then you stand back and let go. That's not traditional therapy. 
And it's why it's so important for someone to be ready, willing, and able to start the work of connecting and relationship building with their elevated ancestors. It's unlike anything else we use here in the West or really mostly anywhere in the world for quote healing or as a quote healing modality. And as far as someone getting off the wheel of wanting of the addiction to the ups and the downs and the craving and the loss and the gain, that endless cycle of seeking to get and getting to seek. It's exhausting. And when someone is ready to get off that wheel permanently, it's a glorious thing. Moksha is a glorious thing in whatever form it comes in. To find within yourself that you're already full and fulfilled and whole and complete and to experience life from that inner state of being. I kind of think, I kind of think that that will be the core of inner resiliency for how the rest of my lifetime seems to be shaping up, but for everyone in these times of collapse. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye.